0: Welcome to FMC Radio, your officially unofficial source for all things Free Methodist. From in-depth discussions with key FMC leaders to daily updates during events like General Conference, we want to keep a consistent stream of information flowing to you regarding where God is leading the Free Methodist Church. I'm your host, Josh Avery. We want to invite you to sit back, relax, and join us on this journey as we learn what it means to be Free Methodist in this episode of the FMC Radio Show. Hello, everyone. It is Monday, September 18th, 2017, here with our 26th episode. Welcome to any new listeners that may be listening this week for the first time. And welcome back, of course, to all of our regular listeners. Speaking of listeners, um, I've mentioned this before on the show, but I'm able to see the way that I'm able to see how many listeners we have and kind of keep up with how many people are listening to the show um, is through the website that i post these shows through and that is podbean Um, all that to say i'm able to see one of the things that i'm able to see is the geography and i'm able to break it down by state and see how many listeners i have in different states and i'm also able to see uh, by country and so one thing um, that I've been able to see that I've seen growing recently is a number of listeners in Great Britain. And um, there have been, since the beginning of the show, a handful of listeners. Uh, as I can tell, there have been, you know, started out with just a few downloads, several downloads per episode, whatever. But um, now, about 4% of all of the downloads that are happening are coming from Great Britain and, and that may not sound like a lot to to people listening, like, okay, four percent, you know, that's that's not much, but it's actually quite a substantial amount of downloads are coming from Great Britain. Um, there are just a lot more coming from the United States, um, and then there are other countries involved as well um, that would make up less than 1%, and so um, each and of themselves. But all of that to say, I, I, I don't know, and I haven't heard any feedback from anyone who lives in Great Britain. I know that you're listening. I know you're out there. I know you're downloading these episodes, but I want to hear from you. I'm excited to hear from uh, some some listeners, international listeners And especially what I'm interested in, you know, if you've been listening to this show for a while, anybody who's been listening knows that I have been talking um, to primarily, in fact, solely, um, completely American uh, Free Methodist Church members, pastors, leaders. Uh, So to get somebody who is involved internationally, uh, that would be pretty exciting, and I would love to speak to you um, if you say, well, I'm a little bit too nervous. I don't want to be doing that. You know, I'm not ready to be interviewed or anything. Hey, at least just come on to the FMC Radio Show um, on Facebook and make a comment. Send me an email, josh at org. but I want to know who you guys are, and it would be really, really great to be able to connect with you and find out more about who you are listening in other countries, so that would be amazing. Um Let's move into a segment here that feel like we haven't done for a little bit of time.
1: Breaking News!
0: Well, in breaking news today, I have two stories for you. The first comes as a kind of strange, Somewhat weird news story. Just, uh, I was, uh, this past week, um, Chris and I, my wife and I, actually went to Niagara Falls and we went over to the Canada side and it was the first time that I'd ever been there. Um, But it's pretty amazing if you ever get the chance, if you're ever in that area, I would definitely recommend it. Definitely. Um, go on the Maid of the Mist was an amazing thing. I didn't expect those kinds of winds when they and and I didn't expect how far they take you into the bottom of the Horseshoe Falls area. I mean, you get pretty wet, especially if you're standing at the front of the boat. But that's not why I'm mentioning all of this. Um, I'm mentioning it because um, recently uh, somebody just, and and I don't know how to pronounce her name, um, but I'll try. The name that I'm reading here is Arendira Wallenda. That's what it looks like to me. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can try to pronounce it on your own. But this woman dangled by her teeth above Niagara Falls in a daredevil stunt, and she broke the world record for the highest suspension over Niagara Falls. She was actually about 300 feet above the falls, above that water, and uh, she broke The world record. Now, this is where I think it's just strange is, you know, I I understand people have been doing these kind of crazy feats. People have gone over the falls in a barrel. Um, You know, they've uh, tightrope walked over the falls. Um, Now we got people hanging from their teeth uh, over 300 feet above the falls. I mean, it's just kind of crazy. But the weirdest thing to me is not just why would you want to do this? Why would you want to? Yeah, I guess I'll get in a barrel and go over and hopefully I can survive and be famous. You know, or well, hopefully I can not fall off. You know, when I'm tightrope walking, that seems crazy enough. But it, it, something else that seems kind of crazy to me is just where do they come up with these ideas? You know, where did the first guy come up with the idea to go in a barrel over the falls? Or this woman? I mean, it seems like from from reading the article, um, you know, it says that there were people that have done this before, hanging from their teeth. But who would come up with that originally? Like, well, okay, I'm not only gonna be 300 feet above the falls, but I'm also gonna be hanging from my teeth, you know, from this bar. Like, what? What? Who thinks that up? That's just crazy to me. Um, and especially now having been there, and if you've been there, um, you'll know, like, that's that's just insane. Like, why would you wanna go up there and, and just risk so much, you know, to be up there? Now, to be fair, to fully report this, um, the, the, the New York law um, requires at this point that people have a safety harness on while they're doing it. So if she would have slipped from her teeth and fell down, she wouldn't have died. Um, she would have been held from the helicopter that she was hanging from she would have eventually been held by the safety harness. So, I mean, there's still that point where, you know, hey, okay, she knows at the end of the day she's not in any real risk in what she did. But at the same time, I mean, there have been many people who have risked their lives, and it's just crazy. It's a crazy to the extent of, of what people do for, you know, these World Records, Um, and when Chris and I were in the Canada side of Niagara Falls, we went into this museum, the Guinness Book of World Records Museum, and to take it into a, a kind of a serious, more spiritual look at what I'm talking about here is some of the things that you can win these world records for, you think, what is the point of this? You know, they're, they're spending, people are spending their whole lives to get these world records, you know, to to say I was the one who ate the most hot dogs in the least amount of time. Or, you know, I was the one who hung from my teeth the longest or the highest, you know. It's like, if they could put that much energy and focus into that, think of what they could do, you know, for for the kingdom of God. And and, and that's kind of an interesting thing, the way of looking at it. Now, in our second um, more serious um, breaking news story today, uh, over from the Light and Life page um, from the Free Methodist Church USA website, there is an article that came out about a mission in Chicago called the Olive Branch Mission, and I did a little bit of research on this mission. This is the oldest rescue mission in the city of Chicago, and it's also the oldest in the United States. This mission dates back to 1867, so by mission I mean a homeless shelter, Um, and what's cool is that this was actually founded and led by free Methodist women who dared to minister where most would not go. That's a quote specifically from um, their their website, from their page. Now that's pretty cool. Now what this new update, this breaking news from um, our Light and Life team that they reported on is that uh, they have now partnered, this Olive Branch Mission has partnered with Starbucks Uh, group called Feeding America and a Greater Chicago Food Depository so they're able to get this really amazing food for the lunches for the people the packaged meals whereas before they just made peanut butter and jellies and put them in a bag lunch and passed them out and people you know some people liked it and appreciated it others it said they would just drop them on the floor they would take the rest of the you know chips or whatever and then then just eh, peanut butter and jelly again just throw it on the ground or throw it in the trash and so now what they're able to put in here because they've made this partnership they're able to have these amazing um, uh, Starbucks sandwiches, which could go anything from a Cuban sandwich to a Green Goddess avocado salad, um, and it's this amazing, really, really great lunch that they're able to give out, so it's pretty cool, though, not just this this new um you know, partnership that the Olive Branch Mission has had with Starbucks um, and these other groups uh, because that's pretty amazing in and of itself because if you go to the to the FMC USA page on this article, you'll see a picture of this sandwich and it's, it looks delicious, I mean, even right now. But, but for a homeless person to be able to have access to this kind of delicious food, I mean, that's great, you know. It's not just a basic, here's a bologna sandwich, but it's this amazing, you know, thing that normally they would've had to pay quite a bit for. Um, so not only that is amazing, but it's also really cool that um, something that I learned that I, that I wanted to point out to you guys is that fact about this uh, mission, this free Methodist, not only men, it's not just men founding it because you hear a lot of stories about that, but a free Methodist women starting this mission, the oldest mission, rescue mission in the United States. That's pretty amazing, Um, and I think it's so amazing that I think there's gonna have to come some point very soon that we will revisit this mission, and I think I'm gonna reach out to them and talk to them in the near future, and hopefully we can have somebody come on and tell us a little bit more about what the Olive Branch mission does and their foundings, and uh, it's a pretty exciting thing. But that will wrap up our breaking news for today. Well, there are so many people in the free methodist denomination that i respect i i um this past week if you were ever on their facebook group you may have seen some of the things that i was posting um and last week on on the show we talked a little bit about um the bishop bishop roller's wife yvonne roller and uh, her servant leadership um, and also i i posted a picture of uh, kathy davis roebling She's the director of the Marston Historical Center in Indianapolis at our world headquarters, and she was just an amazing person who gave us a tour um, of the historical archives when we were down in Indianapolis. Um, If you haven't been able to see that video, please go to the 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 page. She did some amazing things. We were she was able to show us um, some original handwritten. Uh, letters from B.T. Roberts, the founder of the Free Methodist Church, and some other cool things. And she just has such a passion, so excited for um, what's going on and and the things that she does. It's pretty amazing to see um, that. And so I have have such a respect for, you know, those are just two examples, but for uh, so many people in the Free Methodist Church, but... If you've listened to this show long enough, you'll know I've mentioned many times because we've talked about it many times on this show. We've talked about human trafficking and these issues of freedom, um, and I am so excited to get to their next segment here after the break um, because we are going to be able to talk to Kevin Austin, the founder of the Free uh, Set Free Movement, a free Methodist uh, movement to end modern-day slavery. and. and um, I love what he's talking about today, so I, I hope that all of you get the chance to really listen and take it in, and ask yourself a question of what are you going to do about what you're hearing. Um, this is this is one of the um, most exciting interviews that, uh, that we have had, because it's just something that I think we can tangibly ask ourselves, what could we do, so with no further ado, um, let's take our break And when we come back We will be with Kevin Austin
2: An old man Vacationing He stands patiently Under a hotel sign That blinks vacancy He's thinking Maybe he's too late To make the drop off Till a truck coming his way Breaks and stops short And now he's out of sorts You can see He's sort of nervous Walking through the passenger door To meet his ordered services is someone's daughter Working blinks his conscience When the driver says She's my youngest Her name is Constance He comments And it's only $6 per visit Just don't leave any marks on her It hurts business thought for a minute and confess that's fair, since it was three dollars less than his cab fare. How old are you, honey? She says, I'm 13. Her nose is running. It's raining in the Philippines. He handed over the money. and until chilling seen the truck drives off, and now he's on the hunt to kill her dreams. The sign reads, No vacancy. He leads Constance to a room. He is rented for tapency. He's about to turn six into six thousand. And all you gotta do is click on your web browser. It's not a le-
0: Welcome back to FMC Radio. We are here today with Kevin Austin, and uh, he comes to us from the Set Free Movement, and I wanted to make sure that we got an interview in with him. A few episodes ago, we were able to talk to Ginger Coakley, um, who, if you were able to listen to that interview, they are um, working with the Set Free Movement, and they started a house called Eden's Glory, so we got to hear a little bit about what they do in Illinois, But because this coming Sunday is Freedom Sunday, um, you may hopefully be hearing a little bit about this in church, um, but probably not to the extent that we're able to sit down today and talk to Kevin uh, um, into this extent. So thanks, Kevin, for uh, coming on and talking to us today.
1: Yeah, sure. It's great to be with you.
0: So I want to just ask you first um, just a little bit about your personal life and and for you to just tell us a little bit about yourself um, and kind of your history in the Free Methodist Church and how you got to where you're at today.
1: Sure. I was a professional musician for the first half of my life, and I was uh, associate pastor at a church that was very missions-minded. And it got to the point where uh, my kids were old enough that... My wife uh, felt like she could handle me being gone for a few weeks and really encouraged me to go on a short term missions trip. And I ended up in Cambodia for three weeks and uh, taught in a small little village and spent a lot of time with uh, international child care ministries, children, and with the Filipino missionary that was serving. And it broke my heart and it started to open me up to this idea of uh, injustice in the world, and uh, I I started to to see from that point on, I started to experience different things in different world contexts um, that uh, led me down the path to where I am now. Eventually, I became a missionary to Thailand, and my family and I served there for seven years, and Thailand has a significant problem with human trafficking, particularly in the form of prostitution. And it was there that uh, really felt God calling me and uh, and others. Others felt God calling at the same time to uh, re-engage the Free Methodist Church in the issue of slavery in the world.
0: And what year was that?
1: Uh, I was a missionary from 2001 till 2008, Okay, and um, it was around... Probably around 2003, 2004, that I started really asking some serious questions about the prostitution I was seeing, and that led eventually to the general conference that happened at Spring Arbor in 2007, where the Free Methodist Church took a decisive stand against human trafficking, passed a very strong resolution against human trafficking at that point. Uh, Then I came back off. I came off the mission field. And uh, really launched the set free movement around two thousand and ten.
0: Wow, so it's really only been seven years that this has been this has been going now.
1: yeah, I think we're going into our eighth year now, and it's taken different forms. Judith um, Coakley, who you had on your program previously, mm-hmm. was really the first person that joined with me uh, in a decisive way um, and uh, so, yeah, it's been about, we're going into, I think, our eighth year uh, as, as an organization, wow. as a movement.
0: Yeah, and, and in some of your story, it's, it's interesting. Most people that I've talked to, or read books from, or heard from on this issue, it it's always seems to go back to a personal involvement, whether it was just a short term trip, whether it was something longer as a missionary. But it seems as if people who go over and see some of these things firsthand, whether they go to another country or see some things you know, firsthand in America, once you see it, it seems that you can't just ignore it. Um, you need to do something about it. That seems to be a common thread that I hear from these kinds of stories.
1: Well, that's right, and that's why there's so much of an emphasis in Scripture about community and about justice and about caring for the poor. And the, the marginalized, because it's really our faith is relational, not just uh, not just a, a, an exercise of our of our lips, an exercise of our thinking. It's a relational relationship with God and with others, and so we can't help but
0: be moved when we see injustice and suffering. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's very true. And I think that um, that. That's true of most people. I think what, what most people would like to do is overlook it kind of out of sight, out of mind. Like, yeah, I know prostitution. I know there there's things that go on in the world today that I that I don't like. And maybe if I just kind of not think about it, then <laughs> I can just ignore it or, or pretend that it doesn't exist. But uh, when you hear some of the stories or you see some of the faces, especially firsthand, that's when it, it really makes a difference. Um And I I know you also referred to in in your story, you were talking about kind of wanting to return free Methodism to some of its roots in this abolitionism. Could you tell us a little bit about that of the first free Methodists and and what do you mean by that returning to the roots?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, the, the, the free Methodist church, historically Methodist church, and that's true for other Wesleyan Holiness groups and people that we know, like the Wesleyan Church and the Church of the Nazarene and Church of God Anderson, there are a whole bunch of us that used to be part of the Methodist Church. And in the, um, in the 1850s, uh, 1860s, uh, a group of Methodist ministers in western New York were being awakened to the issues of uh, slavery, and poverty and um, and also women in ministry and um, that awakening uh, combined with what they were reading in scripture and what they were seeing in the nation around those issues uh, compelled these these uh, men and women of the of what is now the free Methodist church at the time they were Methodists to really stand up against the Methodist church and start asking some some very serious questions instead of the Methodist Kicked them out, and they became free Methodists. Mm-hmm. So we have we have some, you know. There's a reason why we're called free, mm-hmm. is because we believe in freedom for women to serve, that women are equal to men in every in every way, and there should be nothing hindering them from serving. That um, the spirit should be free to move, that the pews should be free, because uh, back in that time you had to rent where you sat so the more money you gave the better accommodations you had or the closer to the front you you had so the poor were standing in the back so free Hmm. the pews there should be freedom for all to come and hear the gospel freedom from slavery freedom from secret societies um and you know kind of on and on i mean there are there are other issues too um but I think those are those are universal issues that go back to the beginning of in scripture, all the way through scripture, and then different times in, in the history of the church. And so, um, you know, it's it's been good to be out and about in our different churches all over the world. And it doesn't take a whole lot of convincing because I think the majority of Free Methodists really understand the uh, the scriptural call to justice and also our historical understanding that we've been at the forefront of justice, uh, you know, for many many years.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and and so with the set free movement, it's it's I, I think if I'm correct, it's a focus on that abolitionist um, part of the early free Methodist movement. Um, and so so when we think of slavery and things, we think of you know, we think of of many years ago where people were forced to work on plantations and we're thinking of African-Americans and the way that they were forced to work. But when some people think of, of slavery today, they don't at first know what to think of. So what what types of modern-day slavery are we talking about here? What kinds of modern-day slavery exist?
1: Yeah, so there are between 21 and 46 million slaves in the world today. More slaves than at any other time in history. There's compelling evidence that there's more slavery in the United States today than when the Civil War was fought, when the Free Methodist Church was launched. That there are more slaves today in the mm. United States. That, that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty startling realization. Yeah. And it takes it takes many different forms. It's not just sex. Slavery. It's not just prostitution. It's also uh, slavery in the fields. People picking tomatoes, picking blueberries, picking cotton. Um, slavery in factories where people are making bricks, or they're making rugs, or they're making shoes, or whatever it would be. Um, so there's there's forced labor and there's sex slavery. I would say that those are those are the two. The two divisions things. that we're talking
0: about, yeah,
1: and um, and when we start to peel back the layers, we need to understand it. It's not it's not just about sex. It's not just about women. It's also about men. It's also about children, and it's really about what makes people vulnerable and what creates a, a, a reason for exploitation. So it involves. Uh, commerce is a is a business. It's a huge money making business, an estimated one hundred and fifty billion dollar a year business. So it can't just be about our moral values of saying no mm-hmm. to having sex with a prostitute, for example. Mm-hmm. And it has to be a, a lifestyle where we're living in such a way that we're reducing vulnerability and we're stopping exploitation. So that certainly involves the things that we buy, the clothes we wear, the food we eat. It involves our, our values. And that's really where it comes down to is what are our values? How do men uh, view women? How do we view children? Um, and, and so it, it, it's more complicated than just saying, well, we're, we're against slavery Mm-hmm. The buying and selling of human beings—it—it um, it, it really involves every aspect of our life, and we have to be diligent in our lifestyle choices.
0: Yeah, and I think that's that's difficult for people when it gets into it because um, if people who are listening, if they're not familiar, um, and you go to the store and you see something that is certified fair trade, what that means is that it's it's certified to to not be uh, use any slave labor or anything that you're, you're going to want to stay clear of that we've just been talking about. But, um, of course, with that, with those kind of products, it's it's a lot more expensive. So a lot of times what people do is they cut corners. They say, well, again, they kind of make excuses and say, um, well, yes, it's, it's good and these bad things exist, but it's just so expensive to live that way and no one really lives that way. You know, we have to go to, say, Walmart and, and get our stuff because it's so cheap. When people bring up these types of things, what what's your response to that?
1: Yeah, it, it it really does become it becomes a long conversation. And anytime I speak in churches, I will begin. You know, particularly when I'm when I'm preaching, I'll I'll say what I really need is five hours. Yeah. And this is really the beginning of a conversation, um, because it's it is more complicated than just a simple yes or no or let's create a program and then six months later we'll do something different. Mm -hmm. And that's that's why I I come back to this idea of lifestyle. There's this lifestyle of learning. It's a lifestyle of worship. It's a lifestyle of prayer. It's a lifestyle of living in the way that God wants us to live. And that's very different from how we often approach things in the church. We've become so... Enamored with kind of the business models where we just, you know, pastors often don't want me to talk about some things like lifestyle and 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 um, labor trafficking. Hmm. They really want me to talk about sex trafficking and be able to take the moral high ground and say, well, we can't do that because obviously sleeping with somebody that's not your spouse is a sin, right? but they don't want to look at buying chocolate from Hershey's as a sin. Wow, like,
0: Nobody yeah, wants so to true. talk about
1: that. And yeah. it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's an incredible thing for me to wrap my brain around that in particular on, on Easter and at Christmas we will buy chocolate picked by slaves to celebrate the coming of the Messiah or hmm. the resurrection of our Savior. Wow. And how how contradictory that is to the message of of, of the Bible. And uh, if you want to create a holy mess in your church, talk about chocolate. Because <laughs> people really love their chocolate. And it's harsh, but it really comes down to this question. Which has more value, a 75-cent chocolate bar or a seven-year-old African boy? Hmm. And unfortunately, the answer too often is a 75 cent chocolate bar.
0: Sure. Wow. Yeah, that is, that's, I, I don't know how to even just kind of speechless after that, but that's a great point that, um, yeah, I, I, I would hope and I would wish that every church would want to hear that because in, in, in theory, um, you know, just talking about these issues, okay, you know, um, yeah, there's, there's, you know slavery in the world today. Okay, we know it's wrong. We say it's wrong, but when you get down to okay, well, what does that really look like? And you're you're giving a very specific example here. Yeah, many people just go well, you know, one 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 person buying one thing. That's not going to really make a difference. I mean, you know, it's it's okay, and we make these little excuses when. Um, in reality, of course, we know from economics, simply anybody who, took, who who's ever taken an economics class, supply and demand. And so if we, um, you know, as Christians, a lot of times maybe there's a movie that comes out and it's controversial regarding Jesus or something. So everybody, what do they do? They they walk away from the theater. They, they don't go to the theater. They refuse to see this movie or whatever. And yet when it comes to these types of issues, which I would say are a lot more serious than a movie coming out, um, People don't really seem to care very much. They seem to make excuses, and so that's uh, yeah. It's just it's just crazy to think that, uh, but not surprising to think that people do want to avoid this issue. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, what 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 kind of things? So so we know about these things now. Now, in an everyday aspect, people can do things like we've just said. Uh, really do their research and understand what they're buying. Obviously, I mean, um, you know. As far as human trafficking goes, of course, what everybody knows is don't go out and you know be spending time with a prostitute. Those types of things are obvious. But what kind of other ways is the set free movement working to end modern day slavery? How are you working towards this? How do you get a hold of this this kind of a thing?
1: Yeah, um, we believe that human trafficking is a symptom. It's actually not the problem. And when you approach it that way, it it, uh, it has some really profound ramifications because if we believe human trafficking is a problem and we go after it and we go after it and we go after it, we might not see any change if it's actually a symptom because what we've got to do is we've got to address the root problem underneath. There's something wrong underneath that's creating a symptom. Well, the root problem underneath is the brokenness between relationships and of course, it gets all the way back to sin, this brokenness between us and God and us and each other. And so, um, we, while we, we must serve with compassion at the margins, doing everything we can to help those who are oppressed, enslaved, abused, we, we have to also simultaneously do everything we can to bring hope and healing to broken relationships, to broken communities and then the broken systems that grow up to reinforce the brokenness in these communities. So our approach is to take a step back, the community not to create programs and projects per se. Mm -hmm. Now the programs and projects come later after the community is formed. So we have about 25 different set free teams in the United States. Each one of them is working within their local community To learn, to pray, to dialogue, to network within their local communities. And then out of that comes things that they do, projects and programs. Eden's Glory is a great example of that. What Ginger did is she gathered around a group of people and they prayed, they learned, they dialogued, they networked. Eventually, Eden's Glory came about. Mm-hmm. And that that's a great example. We've got other examples of things like that happening in Seattle around foster care. In Portland, we've got a new project that's launching there, and it's really being launched out of a community and out of a sense of need within the the, the community of that area of Portland. Um, we've got other things that we're doing in other parts of the world, and I think the, the approach is more about how not just what so how are we going to do this not just what are we going to do and it's really a discipleship model as opposed to a social action model a discipleship model is our characters being formed and informed and changed and then our action reflecting that change well that's what we want to do in our with our community groups so hmm. that's a long answer to your oh, yeah. question of, well, what do we do?
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, first thing we do is we create community and we want the community to be the number one priority. And then out of that, we go into high schools and we educate and we launch restoration homes like Eden's glory and we create uh, opportunities to come alongside foster kids and foster families. And we partner strong with people like Rested at Freedom in Haiti, that is, um, you know, working to stop the the, the trafficking of children uh, in Haiti. We work alongside of uh, Filipino leaders in the Philippines who are addressing the child trafficking there that's fueling cybersex pornography. So there's a variety of things that we do, but our starting place is community.
0: Yeah, and um, so if if somebody is wanting to get involved, I know, of course, they can, um, you know, raise money and, and give money to the Set Free Movement, and and what if they, if, if an individual or a church would like to take the next step of being one of those communities that is creating something local um, in their community, what would be the first steps to do that?
1: Yeah, uh, contact me. They can write to me at Kevin at setfreemovement.org. They can go to the website, our website, setfreemovement.org.com, and they can can find ways to get involved there. They can write to me from there. They can download our phone app. So we've got a phone app. They can download that. They can be involved. Um, They can have their church do Freedom Sunday. If they're anywhere close to Indianapolis, they can come. Join us for the Freedom Forum on September 30th. Um, There's a lot of different ways that they can get involved um, our teams, our twenty-five teams in the U.S. have almost all come out of a Freedom Sunday experience, hmm. and um, and so doing Freedom Sunday at your church is really, really helpful. Um, and uh, writing to me—I mean, I'm more than happy to, to answer questions, send people—you uh, know—some more literature that really details out how we engage what we do how we do it
0: yeah definitely yeah that would be great um yeah if you can send me that stuff i will i will definitely post that on our facebook page um and also i will put a link in the show notes to some of the links um and and the email and things like that so everyone can just look there when they're listening and uh have the email and the link to the website um so I think one thing that, that a lot of people think about, and we talked about this a little bit with Ginger, but I don't I don't know why this is, maybe from movies or I don't know, but a lot of people think when they think about fighting, fighting human trafficking, fighting modern-day slavery, I think of, uh, you know, oh, that might be pretty dangerous. There might be some danger involved with doing that because the people who are are making money off this thing, don't want it to stop. So, do, do you? what would you say to that? Do you think there is some danger to doing this? Have you seen that? I mean, what, what's that risk factor look like for you?
1: Well, I think it depends on what you're doing, where you're doing it, how you're engaging. Um, we really caution people to let the professionals uh, do what they need to do. And so, if you're not specifically called, gifted, and equipped to be in law enforcement you've got no purpose no reason to be involved in trying to rescue people physically Mm -hmm. Um, you know let the police do what they need to do let the lawyers do what they need to do Um, for us for those of us who don't have that gifting that calling that position um, we really encourage people to to do whatever they do in the direction of freedom so if you're an artist Do art in the direction of freedom. Paint paintings, take pictures, write songs. If you're a business leader, we need business solutions. We need to employ people who are vulnerable so that they can uh, not be vulnerable uh, because of poverty. And we need business leaders to to also fund the movement because the reality is is that the Seth Movement needs about a million dollars to do all the projects and all the programs we want to do. Mm -hmm. Well, churches are not going to provide that amount of money for us. We're going to have to, we're going to have to find that funding elsewhere with a foundation or through business ventures. Um, And so, you know, business leaders have a role to play. Teachers, we need people to teach. We need preachers to preach. We need all sorts of different things uh, you know, people to use their gifts and their skills to do what needs to be done. Um, the, the reality is, is that everybody is called and gifted, and God wants to use them to bring hope and healing to the world. And the only thing really stopping us is ourselves. Yeah. The enemy can't stop us because we're we're on mission with God. And so um, we've got to be serious about that, that we can, in fact, make a difference in the world and to stop stopping ourselves from doing that. Hmm. I don't know. Did that answer your question?
0: No. Yeah, yeah. That's that's great. Yeah, because there's always going to be a reason out there, you know, in your mind to not do something. I mean, there's always going to be oh I don't have time, or oh it's too dangerous, or oh you know there's there's always going to be some reason not to do something that God wants you to do. So at some point you're going to have to <laughs> get past that and just say you know what okay there's a lot of questions here, a lot of reasons why you know I feel like I, I couldn't do it or not qualified or whatever, but it, it's God has obviously put something in your mind for a reason and so yeah it's, it's definitely um, moving I, I like that uh, moving in the direction of freedom so if you if like you said if you're an artist or whatever your personality is whatever you've been you're gifted to do you know use that and further um, that that freedom that spiritual freedom physical freedom whatever that that freedom you know means in in your context but um, you know move towards that. And and that's great.
1: Yeah, um, well, and we make it too complicated. Um, people do not have to do what I'm doing. They don't have to go to the Philippines. They don't have to give huge amounts of money. They don't have to be part of a set free team. Again, uh, bring it back to its basics, and and it's it's about vulnerability. So, can everybody uh, love somebody who's vulnerable? Well, yes, everybody can. And that might be your neighbor across the street. It might be the, the, the friends uh, of your son or your daughter. It mm-hmm. might be uh, somebody at your place of work who is in an abusive relationship. And you can be a, a caring person. You can smile at people. You can um, you can uh, do small things uh, around the corner or across the street, at your place of business, at your school. make a a big difference you can ask very important questions Um, you know you can ask where do these products come from you can ask well why do I believe these things Um, you know we're we're, we've just seen this devastation in Houston uh, and in, in South Texas with the hurricanes well what can we do we can give a little bit of money to the Bishop's Relief Fund You can sponsor a child through International Child Care Ministries. It just kind of goes on and on and on. You can buy products from Seed. Mm -hmm. Um, All those things make a little bit of difference, and a little bit of difference combined over time and with other people making a little bit of difference
0: makes a huge difference. Sure, yeah. Yeah, definitely, because we, we often, uh, yeah, like try to downplay it in our minds, saying, "Well, you know, again, like we said earlier, is it one person? You know, well, would that really make a difference?" But yeah, because people, one person does it, and you get maybe some friends together, or you, you know, say you hosted a freedom Sunday, and you have your churches all on board, and they're excited about it. And and so, you know, what if Ginger would have said, well, will one person really make a difference being excited about this? And and what if she wouldn't have done that? And now we look back and we're able to see, uh, oh, wow, you know, lives are being changed. There are women who are coming into this house who are their lives are being changed. And yet it all started with that one moment of will this person respond? Same thing with, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, Shirley. Pastor Shirley of God's Choice in the Pittsburgh Conference, um, who we spoke to in in our second episode, but she had a thought. I, I wonder what I would like to reach out to special needs people. And now there's there's countless places in countless uh, states, countless churches that are reaching out to a place to a you know special needs community that was never reached out to before. And so if you are out there listening and you feel you know called, and you say, well. Yeah, I just don't know about this. You know that doesn't matter. You know you you get the resources and the things will fill themselves in if God is you know on your side. That's gonna that's not gonna matter later on. Um, so yeah, keep keep on moving forward in that way. Um, well, before we before we wrap up and everything, is there um, is there a uh, maybe a story that you could tell us about um, something in the ministry or someone that was was. Uh, helped by, by set Free Movement, or just anything that you could think of, just a, a story? Oh, that's a really... I know, it's a, really a really good good question. It's a big um, question.
1: <laughs> you know, um, over the last eight years, we've raised more than $800,000 and launched more than 17 Freedom Projects just through Freedom Sunday. Wow. So if we just take that one thing, that one, just one project... That um, you know we we've been doing now for eight years, and you just think, okay, there are children in Thailand who are being protected from human trafficking and from the Philippines and Ethiopia. Eden's Glory has been launched. Um, we're, we're we're getting ready to uh, to see the St. John's Home uh, launch in Bulgaria. That's for vulnerable Roma girls. We've got mm. a leader in Hungary who's really going after things, doing incredible things. We've got 25 teams in the U.S. Um, and we've got work in uh, in Taiwan uh, with uh, vulnerable uh, people that are um, immigrants from Indonesia and from the Philippines that are being helped. We've got in- incredible work happening in, uh, in the Philippines to address child trafficking. We've got the Stanford Children program in India that's educating uh, children and families all over um, one area of India, and that, that statistically looks like it's it's really stopped human trafficking of children in that part of India, because mm-hmm. it's been going for about four years now. Uh, just that one program, just, just Freedom Sunday, has created incredible change all around the globe. And... Um, you know, Ginger is a good example of how one person has made a difference. But I could talk about probably 30 other leaders who've been able to do a similar thing in their community in, in profound and very powerful, powerful ways. Um, you know, Mandy in Seattle, working at a First True Methodist Church, part of our Set Free team here, um Really had a calling to to work with foster kids and with families, and even with this with the the, the the social work providers, and it's actually creating a transformation of the whole entire foster care system in King County in Seattle. That one thing, that one person with the passion, empowered by the Holy Spirit, uh, encouraged. Um, it is making a profound difference. That one church is making a huge difference. Well, we
0: all want that, don't we? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It just keeps keeps, you know, keep kind of the same theme coming up of that one, of one person making a profound difference in um, how many people out there listening can do the same thing. Um, I'm excited to hear. Um, Like you say, every Freedom Sunday, there are so many different things that kind of come out of it. And I'm excited to see what's going to come out of this year. Um, Of course, there are things that you could probably... Kind of, kind of guess at and say, well, we're going to get a lot of money in this Sunday because we're going to be raising money, you know, from the different churches and all those things. But it's the some of those surprising things that are really exciting to see. You know, the the people that are affected and that are hearing this podcast or going to their church service and they're going to hear about some of this stuff for the first time. And that's whenever that uh, those things start to pop up, like you've just referenced those things that just kind of came about um, of people finding out what was going on. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah. Um, before we before we wrap up is there anything that I haven't asked about or talked about that that you'd like to bring up that you think would be great for anybody to hear about
1: well like I said when I speak to churches I need about five hours yes that's true basically just just kind of touched on some brief points and of course there's a lot more that needs to be talked about and a lot more stories that could be told um, looking at Scripture, as a whole theology of what we're doing to unpack, um, and I would just really, you know, invite people to go to the website. i would invite people to pick up the the, the Mode Journal book, um, um, Urban Shalom that mm-hmm. we published in June, uh, and they can get that through the the Free Methodist Church bookstore. Um, contact me, write to me. Uh, I'm I'm more than happy. To connect uh, I'm in about dif- 20 different states each year and starting to, to do my travel in September so you know it could be that I'm, I'm gonna be in your in your conference and, and not far from where you are um, you can invite me to come I' I'm, I'm you know more than happy to come spend time with your church hmm. talk to your leadership team spend time with uh, people that really want to make a difference because human trafficking is everywhere and yeah. we, we can do something about it.
0: Awesome. Yeah, Well, I would I would definitely encourage um, everyone who's listening to think of how you can respond, whether that's in the way of personally stepping up and doing something with the talents and the gifts you've been given, or maybe it's uh, talking to your pastor, or if you are a pastor listening, saying, hey, maybe I'm going to get on there and, and think about inviting Kevin, uh, someone from the team to come out and speak um, get on the website and see and and pray about what God could possibly do. Because again, once you hear about some of these things, you can't just, well, actually you you can, but you have a choice. You can either choose to ignore it or you can choose to do something about it. Um, even in the ways of what you buy, um, how you respond to it and and how you're going to address it. So, um, I said this many times on this podcast. So people who are listening will not be a surprise to them but one of the this is this is one of the interviews that i've been most excited to have because it's one of the ministries that i respect the most and am most excited about in the free methodist church um so thank you kevin for everything that you do yeah, thank you and for following you know what god wanted you to do instead of i mean you could have just said no <laughs> So that's kind of hard when you when you say that to God but but you could have so thank you for doing that and
2: uh and thanks for coming on. This laptop since the window the cost is wrong where the exists could almost known Kenny's expecting his wife home soon with new clothes for the baby she would be angry if he saw his new lady a 13 year old Filipino named Constance trust me girl God has not forgotten, he knew Mary Magdalene and the woman at the well He knows everything that happens, and in his arms he fell